Good morning. Good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship together. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you'd like to follow along with me, we're going to be studying together verses 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at verses 12 through 26. There was a rather crude and cruel experiment that was carried out by Emperor Frederick II. Emperor Frederick II reigned over the Roman Empire during the 13th century, and he wanted to know, what is the natural language of man? If you were to just leave a person alone, if you were to take a baby and never speak to that baby, what language would that baby speak? Would it be Hebrew? Would it be Latin? Would it be Greek? What was the original language of man spoken by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? In order to carry out that experiment, in order to answer that question, he gathered a handful of infants and decided that he was going to isolate them from the sound of a human voice. He got some wet nurses that were sworn to secrecy. See, his logic behind this, if we take these infants and isolate them, then eventually, once they get up old enough, they're going to speak the natural language of man. They're going to speak the language that God spoke, that rather that Adam and Eve spoke in the Garden of Eden. So these wet nurses, it was very difficult for them, but they did their job. They did everything for these infants except speak to them. These infants never heard the sound of a human voice. Do you know what ended up happening? Within two months, not just a majority of those infants, but within two months, every single one of those infants died. Do you know why they died? They had plenty of food. They had plenty of nutrients. They had everything they needed to survive. Do you know why they ended up dying? They died because of a lack of love. They died because of a lack of relationship. As people, we need relationships. We need relationships with our friends. We need relationships with our family members. We need relationships with those who we even go to work with. Those who we go to school with. But whenever we turn to the words of Scripture, we find that the most needed relationships we have is our relationships with one another. The relationships that we share within the body of Christ. Now love how Paul demonstrates that. As we look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26. So we turn our attention to the book of Corinthians. Paul is writing to a church that had a lot of problems. He was truly writing to a troubled church, and he was wanting to speak truth into that troubled church. One of the troubles, one of the problems that existed within the church at Corinth concerned the miraculous spiritual gifts that they had that I believe were restricted to the first century. Some members of the church at Corinth were looking down on other members of the church at Corinth because of the gifts that they had received. Instead of uniting the church, their gifts were dividing the church. Instead of helping the church, their gifts were hurting the church. 
And so Paul addresses that. As these Christians are fighting, as these Christians are arguing with one another about the gifts that they had received, they weren't realizing the importance of the relationships that they shared. And they weren't recognizing how the body of Christ is supposed to work. How the body of Christ is supposed to function. So when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12-26, through 26, I believe Paul speaks three ideas to them, three ideas that they needed to hear. Especially with everything going on around us, everything that's going on in our community, within our families, even within our church family, I think these are three ideas that we need to hear as well. Idea number one. In the first couple verses of 1 Corinthians 12 of the section of Scripture that we're looking at, verses 12 and 13, Paul presents the idea that we need each other as members of the body of Christ. We need relationship with one another. Consider the human body for just a minute. I don't consider myself to be a scientist. I really don't know anything about science, but I do know how to do a Google search. And whenever I did this Google search, I found a few things, maybe some things that I should have already known, maybe things that you know. When you look at the human body on the outside, it has five basic parts, five different parts, the head, the neck, the torso, the arms, and the legs. When you look on the inside, it gets a little bit more complicated. The human body has 78 different organs, and those 78 different organs are comprised into 11 different organ systems. The adult human body has 206 different bones. Babies and children have a little bit more than that. Some bones condense together. The majority of those bones are in our hands and in our feet. The human body is made up, think about this number, of 30 trillion different cells, and those 30 trillion different cells can be combined into 200 different groups. How does the human body work? How is the human body able to function? Well, what we see is that the human body has all of these different parts, all of these different members, and the different members have different jobs. They have different functions. They do different things, but yet all of those different members come together to form one body. All of those different members come together in unity to work towards one common goal or one common purpose. If just one member of the body is not working properly, the entire body is going to be negatively impacted. What Paul wants us to understand in the first couple verses of our Scripture for this morning is that the body of Christ is the same way. Just like our physical bodies, just like our human bodies have all of these different functions and we have all these different members that have all kinds of different jobs. Notice when you read it through verse number 12, so it is with Christ. What we experience in our physical bodies is the same thing that we experience in the body that belongs to Jesus. We know from Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23, that Jesus is the head over all things to the church, which is His what? His body. The church of Christ is the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church of Christ. Those two terms are synonymous with one another and they can be used interchangeably. Jesus has a body. And that body has all kinds of different parts. All kinds of different members that have different roles, different jobs, and different functions. Yet those different members come together in unity. 
Those different members come together to work towards one common goal, to work towards one common purpose. What we're saying is this, Jesus has a church. And that church is made up of a lot of different people. The church is made up of a lot of different personalities, a lot of different skills, a lot of different talents, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different socioeconomic statuses, a lot of different races and ethnicities. But yet all of those different people, with all of those different personalities and different talents and different gifts, come together as one group. They come together as one family. They find unity in their diversity and they work towards one common goal, one common purpose. Just like with our physical bodies, within Jesus' body, if one member is not functioning properly, the entire body is going to be negatively impacted. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? How do I become a part of that? How do I become a part of Jesus' body? Well, that's... The question that Paul answers in verse number 13. Paul's looking at a church where their gifts and their functions are dividing them and causing them to fight with one another. He invites them to think about their conversion. He said, think back to the day that you gave your life to Jesus in the waters of baptism. Think about what that looked like. Notice the emphasis on unity, but also the emphasis on diversity. He says, for in one Spirit... We were all. Are we different? We are. Do we have different jobs? Do we have different skill sets? Do we have different personalities? We do. Yet he says, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, it doesn't matter. All were made to drink of one spirit. Within the body of Christ, we're not all the same. We are all different. We have different roles, different functions, different talents, different skills, different personalities. Paul says none of that matters. We have different socioeconomic statuses. Different races within the church as a whole. Paul says none of that makes a difference. What does matter, what does make a difference is this fact, in one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Whenever I'm baptized into Jesus, I'm baptized into Jesus' body. Whenever we are baptized into Jesus, we become members of Jesus' body. And as members of Jesus' body, we need each other. Jesus makes this principle crystal clear in His life and in His teachings. Whenever you read Mark chapter 3, go a little bit earlier in that chapter, and the Bible talks about how Jesus' mother and His brothers heard about His ministry. And they thought that He had lost His mind. They thought that Jesus had absolutely gone crazy, and so they're going to march and go and get Him. His mother's going to grab Him by the ear and drag Him back home. Whenever they get there in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is inside teaching a large group of people about God's will, about what God expects for them. And a messenger comes inside, interrupts Jesus. Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to speak to you. They want to talk to you. What does Jesus do? Well, hold on for just a second. Put a bookmark in this sermon because the most important relationships in my life, my mother and my brothers, they're standing outside. I'm going to go talk to them and I'll be back to you in a minute. That's not what Jesus does. Notice in 33, Jesus answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Well, duh, they're standing outside. They want to talk to you. You need to go and see them. Looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here, who are my mother and my brothers? 
Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Do you understand what Jesus is saying there? Jesus is not saying that familial relationships are unimportant. He's not saying that family relationships are not significant. What He is saying is that spiritual relationships should be the most important relationships in our lives. Far more important than relationship among family. Far more important than relationship among friends. Far more important than relationships you have at work or relationships you have at school is the relationships that you have in the body of Christ. The church that belongs to Jesus. Whoever does the will of God, Jesus says, He is my brother and sister and mother. We need each other. Paul presents that generally in verses 12 and 13. But as we continue to march and continue to work throughout this passage of Scripture together, he gets just a little bit more specific. The second idea that Paul presents to Corinth and presents to us, we need you. In verses 14 through 20. Paul returns back to this idea of of the body, using the body as a metaphor. Whenever you look in verse number 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body, would it? Imagine if, Paul says, imagine if your foot looked at your hand and says, because I'm not a hand, I must not be important. Because I can't do what a hand does, I can't reach out and grab stuff, I must not be a part of the body, so I'm not going to do anything. Imagine what would happen if your body did that. If you continue into verse number 16, what if the ear looked at your eye and said, because I'm not an eye, I must not be a part of the body. Because I can't see things, because I don't have the function of an eye, I must not be important. And because I can't do what an eye does, I'm not going to do anything. That kind of thinking is ridiculous, isn't it? It makes no sense. That's not going to happen within the body. Why? Because all the members of the body are going to work together towards one purpose, yet that's the thinking we sometimes have in the body of Christ, isn't it? Because I'm not a preacher, I must not be very important to the church. Because I haven't taught a Bible class, or because I'm not teaching a Bible class in this quarter, the body doesn't need me. I'm not very important to the church. Because I don't have a faith that is as strong as this person, the the person that sits a few rows in front of me in worship, I must not be a part of the body. Because I can't do this function, I'm not going to do anything. Just like there were individuals in the church at Corinth who had that kind of mindset, there are individuals in the church who have that kind of mindset today. I must not be needed in the church because I can't do X, Y, or Z. Look at how Paul responds to that. He says in verse number 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Imagine if your body was just one big eye. Number one, that'd be pretty gross. And number two, you wouldn't be able to hear anything, would you? If you were just one big eye, you wouldn't be able to hear a thing. He continues in in verse number 17, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? What if you were just one big ear? You wouldn't be able to smell anything. The question in verse number 19 is a powerful one. If all were a single member, where would the body be? The body wouldn't be anywhere. 
If you were just one single member of the body, if you were just one big ear, or if you were just one big eye, you would not have a body. The body wouldn't exist, and you wouldn't be able to function like God has designed you to function. And the same is true within the body of Christ. What if we were all preachers? I'd be out of a job. What if we were all Bible class teachers? There'd be nobody to listen. There'd be nobody to teach. What if we were all card senders? And that's all that we did. Every single member in the body just just sent out cards to those who were in need or, or those who were sick. What if that's all that we did? We wouldn't be a body. If we were just one member, if we all carried out one function, what we might think to be the most important function, then we would not be a body and thus would not function like God wants us to function. Our differences are not a bad thing. Our differences are a good thing. Our differences are meant to complement one another. What I'm not able to do, you're able to do. And what you're not able to do, I'm able to do. That's how the body of Christ works. Why? Because that's how God has designed it. When you look at verse 18, Paul says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. Just like God has created our physical bodies with all of these different parts to function in all of these different ways and and the differences of those parts to complement one another, that's the way that He has designed His body, the church. God has placed each member in the church right where He wants them to be. It's like a puzzle where you take all these different pieces and you put them together and you're able to see the picture that the puzzle makes. If you're a member of the body of Christ, God has a purpose for you to fulfill. God has a function for you to accomplish. If we look around and the church isn't functioning like it should be, it's not God's fault. God has arranged it just like He wants it to be. If we look around and the church isn't functioning properly, that's our fault. God has a function for you to accomplish, a purpose for you to fulfill, and if you're not fulfilling it, if you're not accomplishing it, the entire body is going to be negatively impacted. What are we saying? We're saying that we, as the church, need you. Do a little exercise with me for just a second. I want to show a hands. How many people recognize that word? C-H-R-C-H. Can anybody use that word in a sentence for me? Could you give a definition of it? I'm glad that you can't. Because I can't either. C-H-R-C-H is not a word. It doesn't have a definition. It's just a lot of letters put together. It doesn't mean anything. Now, let me get a show of hands on this one. How many people know this word? I think every hand should be up. Maybe there's three reasons your hand wouldn't be up. Unless you're too bashful, you can't read, or you're already asleep. I guess your hand wouldn't be up. But we can talk about that word, right? We know what that word means. We can define that word. We can use that word in a sentence. One word we can use, one word we can't. One word we can define, one word we can't. One word we know what it means, and one word we don't. What's the difference between the two? They're very similar. They use a lot of the same letters. In fact, when you compare them, the majority consists of the same letters. What's the difference? The letter U. See, the word church is not what it's supposed to be without the letter U. 
And I think what Paul wants us to understand in verses 14-20 through 20 is that the church is not what it's supposed to be without you. The church as a whole, this congregation specifically, is not going to be what God designed it to be unless you're all in. Unless you're plugged in. Unless you're fulfilling the role that God has given to you. Fulfilling the function that God has assigned to you. Filling your piece of the puzzle. Just like the church is not what it's supposed to be without the letter U, the church of our Lord is not going to be what it's supposed to be, what it was designed to be without you. We need you. But there's also another side to that. As we close out this text in verses 21 through 26, we see the idea that you need us as members of the body, as those who belong to the Lord. Let's go back to that body metaphor. Look at verse 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. What if your eye was to look at your hand and say, you know, I really don't need you. We have a, another hand where you, we can reach out and grab stuff. The, the, the body would be good if we were to just cut off the hand. We don't really need it. What if your head, Paul says, was to look at your foot and say, we don't really need you either. No, I'm the head. I'm really important. I have the eyes, nose, mouth, and ears. I have the face. I, I'm, I'm the head, what everybody sees. And the foot, keep it covered up by a shoe all the time anyway. Let's just cut it off. We don't need it. What if your body was to do that? Again, it's a ridiculous mindset. It makes no sense. The eye might think it doesn't need the hand until it needs to reach out and grab something. The head might think it doesn't need the foot until it needs to get up and go somewhere. It's a ridiculous mindset, a mindset that, that we, we read through this and we think it doesn't make any sense. But yet sometimes, again, that's exactly the kind of thinking that we have within the church. Well, with as good as I am, I don't think we really need you. With as good as I am, I don't really think we need all the other people at church. You know, you can come on Sundays if you want to. You can even come on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. But beyond that, we just don't need you because I'm so good. I have it all together. There were those in the church in Corinth that thought that in the first century. And I believe there are people who think that in the church today in the 21st century. Regardless of how good you think you might be, you need us. Paul explains why. It's about how God has composed the body. He says there are parts of the body of Christ that aren't as presentable. There are functions within the body of Christ that we typically don't see all that much. If you were to send a card to somebody in the mail, the church wouldn't see that like they would see it if you got up and preached a sermon or led singing. If you cook a meal and take it to somebody's house, if you call people, we have a sign-up sheet for that over there, if, if you call those who we've helped with our distribution and ask them about the needs they might have or whether they'd be interested in a Bible study or not, the, the entire church is not going to see that. It's not as presentable. It's not given as much honor. And as a result, we might be tempted to think, you know, those things are below me. I'm above that. Those things are for people who are not as talented as I am, those who are not as skilled as I am. Paul wants to shift our perspective. He said those parts that aren't presentable, they are indispensable to the body. They are needed. They are a necessity to the church 
that belongs to Jesus. Those parts of the body that we don't typically place a lot of honor or emphasis on, says they deserve greater honor. They deserve greater emphasis. Those jobs that we might look at as being below us, they should be elevated and they should be celebrated, he says, because that's the way God has composed the body. God wants to give greater honor to the parts that lack it and to give greater attention to the parts that tend to be ignored. Paul doesn't want one member of the church to be elevated over another member of the church. Instead, he wants us all to be elevated together. And it has a very practical implication of it. He says when all the members of the church are honored and they're elevated together, and it's not a big me and little you, but we are making up one body, the body that belongs to Jesus, he says, verse 25, we're going to have the same care for one another. Whether good or bad, when one suffers in 26, all are going to suffer alongside of that person. When one person is honored, then all are going to be honored alongside of that person. Why? Because we make up just one body. And the lines that we draw, the distinctions that we make, should oftentimes not be there. Regardless of how good you think you might be, you need the church. You need us. It reminds me of a story about a man named D.L. Moody. Way back when, he was a pretty influential preacher. He was the head of the Moody Bible Institute. Maybe you've heard of that. It was named after him. He went to go visit a very prominent person in the city of Chicago. And as they were talking to one another, the topic of church attendance and church involvement came up. Well, with as good as I am, and as much money as I make, the man said, I just don't really see a need for church. I think I can be just as good of a Christian without the church as I can be within the church. I I don't really need the church to be who God wants me to be. D.L. Moody didn't say anything. It was a cold winter day, so he walked over to the fire, picked up some tongs, and removed one coal from the burning fire. He sat the coal on top of the hearth went back, sat down next to the man, and for the next ten minutes, they sat in silence, watching that coal slowly burn out. After that ten-minute period of silence, the man looked over at D.L. Moody and said, Mr. Moody, I see your point. Do you see the point? Even the hottest, biggest, brightest coal can't burn very long by itself. Just like coals need one another in order to burn and function properly, you need us. You need the church in order to be who God wants you to be. Christianity is not supposed to be lived out in isolation. Christianity is not something that I do by myself. Christianity is to be carried out in family. Christianity is to be carried out in community. You need us. We need you. What we're really saying is that we need each other. As I heard a pretty popular preacher say one time, the church is not a social club. It's a family. The church is not an organization. It's a living and breathing organism. The body of Christ. These aren't just people that you go to church with. But when you look around, these are people that you are to have close relationships with. People who compliment you. People who make up one body alongside of you. 
We need each other. We need you. And you need us. Whenever we wrap our minds around that, it should move us to action. For instance, if you're not a part of Jesus' body, then what are you waiting on? This morning, you have the opportunity in one spirit to be baptized into the one body. What, what's stopping you from making that decision? Being a part of the body of Jesus is the greatest decision you could ever make. And so why put that off any longer? Become a part of Jesus' body. Be involved in Jesus' body. Be plugged in in His body. Maybe you are a part of Jesus' body. But you haven't placed membership here with the church at Seven Oaks. We would love for you to think about that. We would love for you to make that decision. Even though that's not necessarily something that they did in the New Testament time, it helps our elders. It helps our shepherds to know who's going to be committed to this family. Consider standing up and saying, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to spread my roots. This is where I'm going to be plugged in. This is the family that I'm going to be responsible to. Maybe you don't feel needed in the church. Can I ask you how you've attempted to be involved in the past? Scripture tells us that there's a spot for everybody within the church, and if you don't feel like you're needed, maybe where you need to start is, what have you done to be involved? What have you done to be plugged in? Maybe you have tried to be involved, and it didn't quite work out, and you still feel like you're not needed. Talk to the elders about that. I guarantee you we can find a place where you can serve, where you can fulfill your function within the body of Christ and make a difference not only in this congregation, but also in the community. Maybe you feel like you don't need the church. And you carry a very loose connection to the church. I want to very respectfully ask you, do you think you know better than Jesus does? Jesus says that you need the church. Do we want to argue with Him about that? Take a look in our community. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot going on. Take a look at the pain that can exist within a person's heart. Take a moment to consider just how hard life can be. How are we going to get through it? We need each other. We need you. And you need us. Be a part of Jesus' body. Be plugged in. Be all in. Be fully invested. Spread your roots. And make a difference for Jesus. Do it now. As together we stand and sing the invitation song.